This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guest is Father Floyd Kale, who is well-known in our close-knit faith community. Father Kale was ordained as a Roman Catholic priest on June 3, 1950, and it served at churches in New Iberia, Melville, Richard, and Abbeville. He also served at Charity Hospital in St. Genevieve in Lafayette, with his last service being pastor at Holy Cross Church in Lafayette. He retired from there in 1994 after 40 years in priesthood. Olivia Savoy of Raconteur Life Story Writing recommended this interview, having been deeply impressed with Father Kale's life story. Father Kale, and I know you go by flow with your friends, sure. welcome to Discover Lafayette. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me in your home. Um, you had people here when I walked in. I know you were giving a blessing. You have people visiting you all the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to share, please, your life story, starting in, I guess, in Cecilia, mm-hmm. where you were born in 1926. Yes. I grew up in Cecilia, Louisiana. And um, people ask me all the time, when did you decide to be a priest? I said, well, to be honest with you, when I was in sixth grade, I started thinking about it. And then when I was uh, 12 years old, I left Cecilia and I went to the seminary. I started off in, at St. Benedict Seminary that's a few miles out of uh, Covington. And I spent three years there. And from there, I went to New Orleans, Notre Dame Seminary. And I spent uh, six years there. And after six years there, I was ordained a priest, as she said, on June 3rd, 1950. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest of my life was spent in, she mentioned, the uh, the places I was, and I retired in 1982, Uh, and after that, I just helped out, very active, went to uh, several, several churches to help priests who were either sick or on vacation, so I've been at it for, on June 3rd, I would have been ordained a priest, 70 Three years. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you retired in 80? 82. Okay, so I had that wrong from the timeline. I apologize for that. Yeah. You were inspired by a father, Braque, is that right? Can you talk about that? I know he really played a big role in your life. We built a new church in Cecilia, and uh, the bishop came when the church was uh, finished, and... uh, the bishop came and blessed the church. All the priests in the diocese were invited. And um, at that time, we knew we were getting a new priest. 
and when we saw him, we we said we were saying, if only we could get him. Mm-hmm. And then there was a rumor he was the one coming. Well, uh, rumors fly all the time, but sure enough, he came. But um, my mother said to me one day, the first day that Father Priest Father Brocke was going to be there, the new pastor, Mama said, uh, Flo, go to confession, find out, see if that's the one. I said, well, Mom, I don't have any sins. She said, well, go make one and then go to confession. <laughs> And I know you like to play pranks on people, and you were oh, a yeah, good did. sense of yeah. humor, huh? Yes. <laughs> well, did he? He knew that you were interested, though, right? You were an altar boy. He knew that you were well, interested in, in priesthood, maybe. I served it for the first mass. He said, and he said to me before mass started, he said, "Are you the little boy that's thinking about being a priest?" I said, "Well, how did you know that?" He said, well, my predecessor told me to be on the lookout that there was an altar boy who was probably thinking very seriously about going to the seminary. I said, well, yes, Father, I'm, I am thinking about it. I said, now, that was, <clears throat> that was uh, April of 1942, uh, and it was in the month of uh, April. The following September 1942, I left for the seminary at the age of uh, 15. And I'm an only child. It was quite a big hole in the house after I left. Right. But my mom and dad were so happy that I was going to be a priest. Mm. they, uh, They were happy about that. There was something I wanted to mention. Sure that um, my mother had asthma for 18 years. Every year in the winter, it looked like she was going to die. She couldn't breathe. And then I left, went to the seminary. They visited me on October 15th, 1942. And at the seminary, she had an attack of asthma. And then she never had one since. And my mom just died uh, about four years ago. Really? Wow. Yes, she was almost 101. Oh, my goodness. That bodes well for you. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. Wow. So I had read that you went on a retreat in Grand Coteau. I guess Mm. it was the Jesuit Spirituality Center. I've been there, too, and it's beautiful. But is that where you realized that you really did want to become a priest? Well, I was 15 when Mm -hmm. I made that. When Mm -hmm. we got to the retreat house, a bunch of boys, um, the priest who gave the retreat said we would be allowed to spend 10 minutes alone in church before the Blessed Sacrament. And um, my time was from 10 to 12 to 12, 10 minutes. When my 10 minutes were up, I got up, I looked at the tabernacle real hard, and I said, Jesus, I am going to be your priest. Wow. And uh, never had second thought about it. Mm -hmm. When I got back home, my mother had not 
seen me in three days, so she, she was very lonely. Anyway, uh, she was waiting for me in front of school. I was dropped off. She said, Flo, how was it? Oh, I said, Mommy, it was great. I'm going to be a priest. She laughed and <laughs> laughed and laughed. But, uh, oh, she was always so happy mm-hmm. that I had become a priest. She enjoyed my priestly years as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the time I was in the seminary, my mother went to Mass every morning to pray for me. Wow. We didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. Either she walked, we were not that far from church, or she rode my bicycle. After my father retired, he was a farmer, uh, he joined my mother and he went every morning. So they were really, really happy. And um, the day I was ordained, I got to the cathedral at 7.30 in the morning. The ordination started at, uh, at 8 o'clock. And when I got to the cathedral, my daddy was walking outside. It was, it was misty. I said, Daddy, what are you doing on here? It's, it's kind of drizzling. He said, I'm nervous. I said, well, I'm, I'm the one being ordained. Mm-hmm. He said, but I'm the father of the priest. Yeah. I know they were so, so proud of you just from reading that. And for you to leave, as you said, being the only child, Mm. and there was no phone in their home, so you you just had to correspond in writing. So that must have been a big change for you. Yes. In the seminary at that time, all the mail that came in from from your parents, that was all open before you read it. Really? And the priests that read the letters. Uh Uh-huh. And then everything you sent home, uh, you couldn't seal the letters because they had to read what you were writing home. Mm. Right. So you were in school. You had to learn Latin. The, the, At the time, Latin was, yeah. yeah. The service was done totally different than yes. like it is today, right? And I, Of course, I had a problem because... I, I didn't study Latin at Cecilia High School. Right. No one studied it, huh? <laughs> no. And uh, so when, when I got there, I joined a group of kids who had already had three years of Latin. So the rector said, after he saw my grades from Cecilia High School, he says, I think that uh, I can teach you two years in one. And he did that successfully. And then I, Cecilia is only about a 25-minute drive from Grand Coteau, where the Jesuits galore, um, yeah, yeah. they have a school there. So I said to Father Brocke, Grand Coteau is not that far. Maybe I could go there during the summer and uh, pick up a year or two of Latin. Mm-hmm. He said, fine. So he took me there, met a uh, priest, a Jesuit priest. He had just gotten a master's degree in Latin from Catholic University, Washington, D.C. So he was very qualified to teach me. And I wanted to be a priest so badly that I was very ready to Mm -hmm. study. Mm -hmm. So I made up those three years at Grand Coteau. When, When I was growing up, as I recall, we were 
basically afraid of the priest. I don't know why. Well, I know why for some, but um, with Father Brake, he became a second father to me. And uh, in fact, the book that I'm writing is dedicated to him. Uh, is the nicest thing I thought I could have done for him because he had done so much for me. Mm-hmm. At my ordination, I'll never forget when I came down to give him a blessing. I'll never forget what he said. Congratulations, kiddo. <laughs> and uh, he spent 13 years in Sicilia. When he left, there was a farewell party. The only place that could contain the crowd was the football field. There was no building in Sicilia big enough to contain the crowd. And uh, I was very fortunate. They asked me to be the master of ceremonies. So it was one way of saying, Father Brockett, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for what you've done for me. Mm -hmm. And you've paid it forward to others. I know that you've lived your life and your priesthood bringing joy and, and love to people. I mean, I saw that when I walked in. You had people here that were just so glad to be with you and to yeah. get a blessing. But you've, from what I read, and Olivia told me, you've dedicated your life. Oh, to, I made sure that uh, to that that people liked me. I didn't uh, wasn't mean to anybody. Um, people make mistakes. I know that I've made my own, and. Uh, you don't want to be condemned. You become a priest because you want to help people who have made mistakes, and uh, you want to make sure that they understand, that you understand. We're all human. We make those mistakes, but we forgive. Jesus forgives, and we are ordained priests to do what Jesus did to forgive people to teach people, to love people. And I understand you like to use humor in your homilies. Well, yes. My uh, my homilies always started with something funny. I wanted to make sure that uh, they... they, um, they would, they would enjoy something like that, and, and, and they did. And then if they you start off with something funny, they uh, right away if they begin to like you, and um, they're never afraid to call on you if they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Charlene Richard. Oh. I knew the name. And I knew about miracles, but you lived, you saw that. When um, when I went to Richard, Louisiana, as pastor, I have to tell you how that happened. <clears throat> Charlene Richard was a, a little girl who, at the age of twelve who had leukemia, very serious. 
in the hospital, her mother wanted her to know that she was going to die. It's not an easy thing to do, go tell a 12-year-old girl you're going to die. So they asked the mother asked the doctor to do that. And he said, oh, wait a minute, I have kids and that would be hard for me to tell that to my children. And I know it would be hard for anybody else to tell my children. So I, I don't think I can do that. Well, Father Brennan and I were real close friends. And he, uh, he was stationed at Our Lady of Fatima Church. And the priests there, they visited the patients in the hospital on a daily basis. So it was Father Brennan's uh, job to visit Charlene and everybody else in the hospital. He would go every day. So he was asked, would he, uh, would he tell Charlene she's going to die? He was ordained a priest only a month and a half. So he said, uh, I just uh, asked God to help me say the right thing. He said three things to her. Honey, you're a very sick little girl. I know that, Father. You won't leave this hospital well. I know that, Father. Soon a beautiful lady will come, will come to take you home. Oh, you're speaking of our blessed mother. Oh. When I will say to her, when she comes, please be good to Father Brennan, because when I was sick, he was good to me. We were good friends, as I mentioned, and uh, a lot of times, maybe three or four times a week, we would, uh, after our work, um, we'd get together and go out and have a Coke or what have you, and he would tell me about this young lady. And I thought, gee, that's, that's really something. And somehow, and I, I'll, uh, it's hard for me to forgive myself that I didn't go see her at the time, but little did I know what a tremendous girl she was. So I had a, uh, an assignment. I was the uh, chaplain at Charity Hospital. But I'm a, I'm a person that's, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a person that has to be with a lot of people. And I told that to Father Brennan, and he said, well, did you tell... Did you tell Charlene? So she's not the bishop. <laughs> he said, tell Charlene. I said, I got back home and I said, God, please inspire my bishop to give me a parish. And I said, that was in the month of March. And uh, assignments are usually at the end of uh, May or beginning of June. That's when priests are ordained and they make us new assignments. I said, two weeks later, I got a letter from the bishop assigning me to Richard, Louisiana. I called Father Brennan and said, Joe, I got good news and bad news. He said, well, what's the good news? I said, I got a parish. He said, what the heck could be bad news? I said, I don't know where it is. <laughs> he said, well... 
let's go look, let's go look for it tomorrow. So we did. We finally found it. When we got there, the priest uh, whose place I took, he had and he had met Father Brennan in the hospital because sometimes they would visit Charlene at the same time. So he said, Father Brennan, would you like to see where Charlene is, is buried? I said, Father, Charlene Richard is buried here? And he said, she will be your first door neighbor. The cemetery is right next door to the, uh, to the rectory. So I went straight to the, uh, to the grave and I said, honey, thanks for the parish. But the bishop said, we need to build a church here. The church was about to fall apart. Please help us over here in Richard build a new church. And I said, what I thought would be eight to ten years away, um, two and a half years later, on uh, Thanksgiving night and my birthday, we said the first Mass in that beautiful church in Richard, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, I take people there who have problems. I take them there, and we uh, kneel at Charlene's grave, and they pray for help, ask Charlene to ask God to help them. Charlene is not the one who does the work. She prays, she asks God, and God is the one who performs the miracle. For example, when I was at uh, Holy Cross Parish, one evening a man came to see me. He was crying. I could hardly understand him. They had just found out that morning that his... 12-year-old, I'm sorry, three-year-old granddaughter had uh, an inoperable tumor in her abdomen. And uh, I said, well, listen, tomorrow, and I'll tell you on the way why I'm taking you there, we'll go ask Charlene to help. Mm. And I said, we did that. And... Uh, the doctors decided they would give a chemo and try to try to shrink the, uh, the the tumor. I don't know how long that went on, but after a certain length of time, an MRI showed that it had it had uh, reduced, and um, they made a decision to operate on her on a Wednesday. So they told me about it on Sunday morning at Mass. I said, well, let's go to Richard tomorrow, or this afternoon. We did. When they opened her up on Wednesday, there was no sign of a tumor. Oh, gosh. And she, um, she died. Uh, she, well, she, of course, she was, she was dead. And uh, no sign of, of, a, of a tumor. And... Um, The word got around. People started asking her to ask God for favors. Now, we well understand she's not the one who does it. 
But uh, God listens to her, and uh, God is the one who does that. She is uh, now 33 years old. She has four children, <laughs> visited me the other day, and thanked me for saving her life. Mm-hmm. Well, God saved her life. But um, that's Charlene Richard's yeah. story. Is she up to be a saint? Is she, I don't know how that well, works. Well, we're trying to get her canonized. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hoping. Yeah, yeah. They, they cut out one little finger. And uh, somebody from, from Rome, from sent there by the Holy Father, uh, they, they, they cut, cut it off and then cut it in four pieces. The, the whole finger went to, went to Rome. The Holy Father, I don't know what he did, but uh, they cut it in four pieces. And a priest came here one day and said, I didn't know the priest at all. He said, uh, the Holy Father asked me to come and um, bring you a gift. The gift was one-fourth of Charlene's finger. And I have have the relic here. People come here and uh, we pray by the relic and ask Charlene to ask God for whatever favor they're asking. Uh-huh. She has four children. So, so many other things have happened. Yeah, you, you've had, and I know you've had the opportunity to meet Mother Teresa. You've had a, a storybook life. The people oh, you've helped, met, but also meeting Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa of Calcutta? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I met her. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I it's, have a picture taken with her. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's somewhere. In, I think I saw that in the book that you and um, yeah, Olivia mm, yeah. have written. Um, a, man, I, a man left the church uh, 20 years ago. He got angry with the church, so he was going to punish him. He was going to leave the church. That's really not understanding what this is all about. Right, right. Anyway, one day he he had been hearing things about Charlene Richard in Lafayette. He asked people, (coughs) do you know of anybody in Lafayette who could tell me more about Charlene? They said, yeah, we have that guy in Lafayette who can do that. (laughs) So he came to see me, Uh and while we were talking about it, he said, well, let's go right now. To her grave? To Richard. Uh-huh. So I told him on the way there about some thing I consider miracles. And uh, when we got there, we knelt at the grave. And uh, I said, a miracle I never talked to you about is, to me, a real strong miracle is if you can freely move towards God a stubborn will. I said, it had happened right here. I said, who knows? It may happen here today. Silence. Then he said, Father, 
Would you hear my confession? Right at the grave. Mm-hmm. And he died a month later. He did? Oh, man. Yeah. So he had something calling him back yeah. to God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God was calling him back. Yes. Yeah. Well, I believe Charlene has God to give this man the grace to return to where he belonged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the joy you must feel when you see people realizing mm-hmm. how important their faith is yes. in God. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know you've got some fun things in your life, too. Um, I heard about you riding your bike backwards. How did that come about? Uh, as a... As a little boy growing up in Sicilia, I just decided it was something I wanted to do. <laughs> Whoops. Get this off. There. And um, I worked at it. I fell a few times. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I got bruised falling, and then when I'd get home, I got bruised again, but not from falling. From a discipline, huh? Yes. <laughs> so you would sit on the bike, you would you would sit on it backwards and mm-hmm. I, I I've never seen anybody do that. But I know you became proficient. You were good at it, right? I'll give you a uh I have uh, what do you call these? A prod? Uh, it's not a book, it's uh you, you can actually see me writing the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I, you one. I knew we that might. you had surprised people over the years with your talent. <laughs> so Your mom didn't like it, though. <laughs> uh, a lady came from Baton Rouge. She was a writer for the uh, their, their newspaper, mm-hmm. Morning Advocate. And uh, she called me. She wanted to come talk to me. She's from Cecilia. Oh. Didn't never heard of me. And um, she came. She says, "Father, uh, I um, I've been away from church for a long time. She said, I kept waiting for that priest." That that a priest that I would trust and a priest I would not be afraid of uh, to go to come back to church. So when I saw a picture of you riding a bicycle backward, <laughs> I figured that's the man that's going to hear my confession. Mm-hmm. Would you do that for us? I said, Well, of course I will. She left happy as could be. That's wonderful. Did you ever think you'd still be ministering to people in your 90s? Did you ever think about that when you were a young priest, what your life would be like? Well, I grew up, I was uh, before Father Brock's time, I grew up being afraid 
like the priest who was there before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say to myself, I remember one day in catechism, I said, Lord, please, if I ever become a priest, don't let me be afraid of, uh, don't let people be afraid of me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm afraid of the priest teaching us catechism. Mm -hmm. That's right. the way it happened. Yeah. Nobody's afraid of me. But they come to you in droves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was little, I grew up Catholic, and it seems like we were kind of afraid, like there was fear. Yeah. You didn't want to do the wrong thing and just right. worried about displeasing God, and you brought a sense of love mm -hmm. to your ministry, to, well, know, that's to your, your flock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For people that are listening, I, I do want to tell you that Father Kale's book will be out soon, and Olivia Savoie helped Father capture his story. I mean, he told her the story, but they wrote the book. But there's a lot of local people that are in the book that I knew, and I just felt like maybe I was called to come meet you because several friends of mine, including Ron Gobert, oh. um, Brooks Bernard, Bonnie Brown, are your good friends, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm also friends with them, and I almost feel like maybe I was meant to come meet you because we, we had never met before. Yeah. And you retired you know, a while back. It's, it's been mm. decades, and here you are still active. You never know. You never know, do you, in life? Are there any lessons you learned that you could share? You know, are there any thoughts as you look back, things that you'd like to share with people about your understanding of God or, mm -hmm. or what it was like to be a priest? Anything that you'd like to say? Excuse me. I wanted to make sure that nobody would be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I've told that story many times, how I was afraid, and that it, would, it turned out to be a blessing because I did not want to be that way, and, and I wasn't. And I think you know now that I am not. Right. I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You take, uh, like Bonnie was here this afternoon. Bonnie comes maybe two or three times a week over here. I wish I had seen her. Bummed that I'm a caller when we were finished. Um, yeah. She's beautiful. Oh. Beautiful heart, spirit, person. She, she sure is. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. But then it's people like this who help you want to love them. Mm hmm. It's, um, <laughs> there's a young lady that she works not far from here, but every. Every night on the way home, when she passes the house, she blows the horn. And then I text right back, I love you too. Oh, really? <laughs> Stacy, you know Stacy. I may. I may know Stacy. You met Stacy, huh? That wasn't the lady that was here. No. No, no I don't know if I know Stacy. What's her last name? Stacy. Uh, doesn't come to me right now. It's all right. Let's make it a note. A book was written about her father. It was just uh, just published 
And the, uh, the father's a year older than I am. And uh, before he died, he called me and he says, Father, I want to thank you for helping me rear my children. Oh. That's the kind of man he was. Yeah. And his children turned out yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Father Calais, Floyd Calais, I want to thank you for taking this time to visit. I feel like I, I haven't really gotten you to tell your story. If you, you know, if you want to talk any more about your early years, is there anything that, you know, I know you moved, you, you've served at several churches Mm-hmm. And we were lucky to, to nab you here yeah. in Lafayette. Uh-huh. New yeah. Iberia. Yeah. Abbeville. Abbeville, yeah. Melville. Melville. Richard. Yeah. I mean, Melville was a temporary thing. The priest mm-hmm. there was killed in a car accident. Oh. And um, they sent me there. I stayed a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then from there I went to Richard. I went from one that was very hard to find to one that I thought we couldn't find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never thought about it as a priest or a pastor in another faith. You get sent to places where people might have loved the former priest, and then you're walking in having yeah. to build relationships, like you were saying, yes. having to start over. Mm-hmm. That can't be that easy, you know. When I, when I went to Richard, I arrived <clears throat> on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, there were parishioners there saying goodbye to the priest who was leaving, and they were crying because they were <laughs> losing their priest. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, then he backed out, and they stayed, and we talked, and mm-hmm. the tears were soon dried. And it all worked out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a good time over there. I would go in the field and pick cotton with them. Really? Because mm-hmm. you had worked at your, your dad had a farm, right? A, he was yeah, a farmer. But, yeah. Uh-huh. And I would do that at home. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wanted them to see that I was like them. Mm-hmm. So don't put me on, on, on a pedestal. Right. Right. Well, Father Kali, thank you so much for joining us. And I also want to thank our listeners for your loyal support. If you haven't yet, please go to discoverlafayette.net, where you can find Father Kali, along with about 300 other interviews that we've done over the years. If you haven't subscribed, please consider subscribing to anywhere you get your podcast. I also want to thank Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, for mixing our tape and making it sound professional. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you.